In this episode, digital nomad Ian Rudy share his journey from accountancy to setting up his 3D scan business for the real estate industry. Ian's experiences around the world and the challenges he still faces in life make for a fascinating listen. Welcome, Ian, to our podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. And, um, well, everybody, Ian has an amazing journey because you started as an accountant. Yes. And then you have traveled around the world. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I actually started out at yeah, I did construction at university, construction management, and did a few placements uh, with time at construction. And, but then at the end of university, I decided I wanted to learn a bit more. And I was reasonably good at maths. So, yeah, dropped into the accountancy because uh, that felt like it was going to be a, a good trade um, throughout life. So, I yeah, I went and did the chartered accountancy training but that was rock hard. But I mean, I managed to get through it eventually and um, lived down south near London in Guildford and, you know, quite enjoyed the experience. But by the end of that, because that was like another three years after university, I was so desperate to go traveling. So the best way to do it, rather than just saving money up for like three or four weeks holiday a year, I decided why well, I just live and work abroad. And then I'm there all the time. So, yeah, I spent five years then using the accountancy to um, live in eight different countries for between, well, three and 12 months each. Uh, and, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. it maybe it was a, a tiny bit too nomadic, but, yeah, I'd do a job for, you know, a number of months, save a little bit of money, and then travel for a couple of months. Normally, in and around that same country I'd lived in for a few months earlier because while you're there working, maybe in the capital city, people tell you, you know, learn all the highlights that you should visit elsewhere in the country. So that's how it seemed to work. And there were a few trips back to visit family in the UK in between. But yeah, that was pretty much five years of of, of roaming the world. But then, you know, I'd been maybe neglecting my mum a little bit too much back in, in Yorkshire, where I'm from. And I'd been back to visit and she'd been out, but uh, I thought I should be in the UK a bit but it was the middle of the credit crunch, 2008, and it was the first time it wasn't so easy to get a job as an accountant. And I was trying in London, but suddenly all these jobs come up in Edinburgh one day when I didn't I accidentally didn't put London in the search engine. And so I thought, I found the agency up in London, in, in Edinburgh, and she said, yeah, we'll get you a job in a week. So I thought, oh, well, I don't know much about Edinburgh, but it sounds okay. So yeah, I went and... She got me a job in a week, basically, um, and that kept getting extended. I was there two and a half years, really, uh, with Lloyd's Bank. And, yeah, that was a, a different part of life, enjoying the culture in Edinburgh. Really, really, really great city. Um, but then I moved back uh, to Yorkshire, um, because my mother was ill. And, yeah, so I, stayed, I reconnected back with my hometown and stayed there a couple of years. And then, well, where are we? Uh, my mum died sadly and I inherited a house. And so that led me to go on to a property training because I didn't really know what to do with a property. And that's what's led me now into the current world of entrepreneurship and doing 3D virtual tours alongside um 
a fledgling property investment business. So that that was, yeah, it's been a worthwhile learning doing that because I can see potentially as the accountant, even though I enjoyed the traveling, it was, and it was quite exciting. It was still inside my comfort zone to some extent, even though it was a little bit dramatic for some people's taste. But being an entrepreneur is much outside my comfort zone, a lot of unpredictability and cash flow, not very certain. So, yeah, but I I like even living abroad. I really enjoyed taking lots of photos, even though they weren't necessarily professional. I just took loads and had a knack for it. So now I'm doing the 3D scanning and virtual tours of properties for lots of different reasons estate agents for sales and rentals but also hotels and retail so people can have their shop um, where people can visit and browse online but that's led me into the latest transition which is this web3 metaverse space because our property virtual tours are equivalent to a metaverse and you can actually put avatars in there um, so you can scan a, a physical space and put it in the metaverse really so that's where I am at the minute with the, the small 3D virtual tour business and small property business. I have to admit, though, we were talking just before you press record, that love of travel, you know, I'm getting itchy feet a little bit if, um, yeah, if there's a, because I think the nomadic lifestyle has, has moved on. I've, I've been aware, you know, there's some great places around the world where this, people, nomads working location independent when they can do work and not actually have to be in the country where the work is because it's all online. Mm. Seeing a way where I could transition to that now is quite appealing. So I think I'm just a an, a perennial avid traveller, really. So uh, thanks for pointing that out to me <laughs> before I press record. <laughs> so if if we go a little bit back in time, so you you've worked for for a bank or well you've worked for employers where you, where you normally start from a nine and then end till five. Now you have a totally different lifestyle. So how let's say if you can compare your old lifestyle from nine till five and the lifestyle you, you have now, what's how you say this? Not the benefits, but how. What 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 improvement have you seen, or what are the let's say the cons and pro? Yeah, because maybe I'm not quite best placed to give the perfect answer because I've not succeeded gigantically in the entrepreneurial space yet. So part of me looks with fondness at a nine. Well, it wasn't a nine to five job, but a job because you know when you left, you could switch off, and at the weekend you could switch off. And I've never been great at being able to switch off. I'm pretty hyper. So, uh, yeah, I've still not found the balance with the entrepreneur piece. You know, I feel quite guilty for switching off, which isn't brilliant. So I've not quite got that piece nailed. But I do realise, I do take liberties as well and sort of things, expos that we've been to, to do with the metaverse I could never have done with a job. So I, I don't really give credit for the freedom. It is increased freedom being an entrepreneur on one level. If there's something, you know, that you really want to explore, it 
allows you that as long as you can be disciplined enough to keep the money coming in for the business. And I think as an entrepreneur, I interviewed a few people on, well, I've not mentioned my podcast. I'll mention that in a minute. Um, and potentially I think entrepreneurs have more power to change the world for the better. It is a, a less constrained, more creative space. And the potential for, you know, the, the, the upside, you know, if you, you know, create something really successful, it is limitless pretty much, the upside. Um, whereas in a a job, you know, you're quite, const- you know, even a, as a partner of a big firm, there's a, a limit to what you can do and you're probably working so hard to, to get to that level. It, um, you may not be able to enjoy what you earn. So, yeah, I think your yeah, entrepreneurship is worth the effort, but it's not easy. And I kind of fell into it thinking it would be a lifestyle business and maybe some businesses are, but the one I've dropped into doesn't seem to have been that for me at the minute. So but I'm going to persevere um, a bit longer because, you know, things do fall in your lap and I've had interesting experiences. Um, but it's probably important to to keep a link to your bigger purpose. I was guilty of that means I fell into entrepreneurship I didn't really previously have a, a big why and therefore when problems come and challenges and you've got to try and overcome them, if you don't have that compass to know roughly where you're trying to go, in my case, I think it, not having that compass means you can easily get deflated and discouraged and, and go off track. So, yeah, I think that, um, so did I answer your question? I've rambled a little bit. I no, no, no. It's it's, it's it's interesting listening about because that that will be then my next question. So because you've mentioned about from accountant to let's say in the real estate, from real estate going to the three D printing, or let's sorry, the three D photography. Yeah. Let's say for for real estate. So that transformation indirectly from you know, getting interested in the properties and then afterwards going to the, in well, going to the 3D world. What triggers you to go from one to another? It's, it's the same, yeah, it's, it's, I know in the, in the property world, for example, if you, you know, you got the real, real estate agents or realtors in, in, in America, they sell properties. Well, they, they flip properties indirectly. But for you, it was like, well, going from the property market, going to the 3D world. So why? And what was kind of the interest or how How did you get interested? Did somebody just mention it about, um, did somebody mention it to you or? You no, know, it was somebody that just mentioned it to me because uh, basically there I was, I kind of got into an unusual, there's a bit I missed actually after my mother died. Uh, you know, I'd saved a bit of money and, was living quite cheaply and ended up spending some time at a Buddhist center and, you know, looking at more spiritually kind of things and just living very cheaply. And I'd got into that as a bit of a habit, really. And at the time I was cat sitting in London, so living for free. 
and but without any income so it was a reasonably limited way of life but then I'd inherited this house so really to be a property investor you need some kind of income unless you've got piles and piles of money to become mortgageable and I wasn't really mortgageable so I either had to go back to full-time workers or potentially full-time workers and accountant and that burnt me out a little bit I didn't desperate to do that and I wasn't sure what else I might do and a friend on the property course who had helped a little bit with one of the properties he'd just done um taking some photos of it you know spotted that I really enjoyed trying to make the best possible photos of his property and yeah he showed me one of these 3d cameras and you know would you be interested in, you know, setting up something using that? So at the time, that seemed a lot more enticing than going back to being an accountant. And yes, so I I thought, and it is really cool technology that gets a really high definition, immersive, self-guided walkthrough of, of a building that you can put, then embed lots of extra stuff on top of. So it felt really exciting. But yeah, I... What I wish I'd have done right at the start was some sales training because I've probably avoided sales all my life and sales and communication. And yes, I I expected the sales to just drop in the door and I really didn't face that. Um, I just kept sending lots of cold emails, but probably not enough and not getting any responses. Um, for a few too many months and just having the odd bit of business from people who'd met on the property course who knew me, which just kept it ticking over, but not really a business of significant growth. Um, yeah, so that's how I got into the the, the 3D camera, I think. Yeah. Would, you, would you advise people to do a sales training? Yes, yes, because... Well, some people don't need it. Some people have naturally salespeople, but I certainly have not been. And I mean, there's a balance to just only focusing on your strengths and working on those things. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you do need some sales skills and confidence and self-worth. And it's all linked together. And coming, overcoming those blocks to believe you are worthy to ask for a decent amount of money to be invoiced after for some work. But be prepared for lots of rejection as well. You know, I think certainly me as an employee I, had not had to face that much rejection. And it's just part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. You know, maybe 80% or 90% or 99% of people and not your customers. So, and there's a piece of selling who knows your product. Maybe uh, because my product could potentially be applicable to lots of different industries, you know, factories for smart digital factories, estate agents, hotel owners, restaurant owners, people want to put the business in the metaverse. It's basically anybody almost could be a customer. But I didn't narrow it down. 
So it was just like scattergun approach. So, uh, you know, I think that is probably part of sales training, but the, maybe the first is to know, or you have to test and try different ones, but then to really hone down and focus on one market and learn more about, yeah, their problems and their needs. If you saw scattergun, you're never going to get intimate with what that customer might need because the current sales training I'm on at the minute, you know, for the first time I am asking people what are the challenges in their business and my product may not answer all of them, but it can help with some of them and that open discussion with them brings up new opportunities. Yeah, totally new products that can or adjustments to the existing product which really fit a need and I can see that's how a successful business is built by really successfully identifying something that someone really needs that you're in a space or with a little adjustment in a in a position to deliver and then delivering it so and the example being you know estate agents some use the technology I've got a lot of them don't and but one, a lot of them know about the particular technology I use. But when I suggested there's an option for a no sale, no fee proposition, but obviously I have to pay more for the ones that do sell, the estate agent who passes on his um, photography costs to his clients feels quite happy to be able to say he's got 30 sticky properties, you know, properties that aren't selling. So instead of saying to his customers, you're going to have to knock £20,000 off your sales price, off, the, off your asking price of your house, let's try and boost it with this really high-quality, immersive virtual tour before you knock the £20,000 off. And if you manage to sell close to the current asking price, you know they're going to be quite happy to pay a bit more for the photography. But if they do have to know the £20,000 off or that there's no sale. They don't have to pay anything. So that is just from that. He was the first sales call, as I, I would put it, that I've ever done. And so that was a big learning for me outside my comfort zone. But I felt I found something value, of value, not just to him, to many estate agents that have got sticky properties. And there may be more sticky properties coming along in the current environment. So yeah, it's it's a learning, but it's it's taking the deep breath and oh, am I really prepared to beat him for the long run? Yeah, I think that's something I hadn't yeah appreciated right at the start. It's I, I, I've historically I think been too used to quick win, quick fix, easy solve situations, and maybe that is as an employee that that potentially is more the situation and. I'm still struggling to agree internally with myself that I'm in this for the long game. And I think you've got to do that to be able to allow this evolvement of adjustments to your products and deepening of relationships with customers over the long term, which will then, I do believe, give you a successful entrepreneurial business in most cases. What is what is your opinion about, like free giving giving things for free because you, you mentioned about like 
some of the services just to showcase to your clients you do things for free and what is what is your opinion how how do you experience it at the moment well, it, it, it's changed initially i just wanted to do it for free because I, i love the feeling of giving stuff for free and i wanted to try out the tech and and have some examples so i was and then my business partner who helped me set this up said to stop giving it for free you don't discount and i think he was right um but because the business was so I, i stopped doing that and but the business kind of stagnated because i hadn't addressed other the other you know sales deficiencies so more recently when i've signed up to this sales training part of their ethos and i'm not saying it's right for everybody is give people a quick wow experience up front so they're quite into the coaching and more the life coaching and it's like an intuition course and it, that's how they got me because we did this intuition exercise consciousness exercise on the the law ticket or free course and I, i was just so blown away by the fact that i my intuition and I tapped deep inside what i made up about this other person i'd never met when she told me was virtually spot on that she's going to go to south africa and set up this retreat for women and uh, the, where did how did i manage to do that but that was sufficient a wow factor it was a very big wow for free that even though the price was far beyond what i could possibly afford i somehow juggled my credit cards to to make make myself pay um so their ethos is to give a, a you know a free wow and then you know have a more in depth understanding of the potential clients problems and goals so being as the other stuff i was doing wasn't working i'm prepared to give this a go and early tr- effort a month and a half in is good because from having very very little interest and very little traction i'm now meeting lots of estate agents a lot of them are impressed it's only actually because the london market they're all desperate for properties the, the prop, there's no new properties coming on for sale that they're struggling to give me work because they just don't have any properties but if they had i've got a big spreadsheet of people wanting to to employ me to to capture their properties now um and as a side piece there's extra work i've got where the estate agent knows you know property developers and house builders that have got projects just coming to fruition that they wanted captioned so it's not actually work work for the estate agents it's side business so there's momentum there's energy there's movement that wasn't there so it kind of feels good only a month and a half in has it worked is the end outcome of having some subscription based clients ongoing is that going to happen i do believe it can so i i i need to be very careful not to fall to this critical point when i've got some good momentum and i'm on the verge of of having a couple more sales calls next week which potentially could get me my first two subscription clients and that gets me out of you know a bit of a financial scarcity really so yeah i need to 
believe, and you know, in other businesses, totally different to what I'm doing, it has worked. Um, I can see that. So yeah, that. So yeah, I've guess for the freebie, I've gone from loving it to saying, "Oh, I've given too many. It's bad." To now loving it again. I mean, it doesn't suit everybody. It doesn't cost me too much to do one free one. And if that gets me an estate agent that's got thirty new properties every month that need doing, you know, that is, I'll need one or two of them, and I'm winning all the way, really. So. Yeah, but maybe if some people can't give it for free easily, it's not going to be great. And, you know, it does potentially devalue and some people might take advantage. But if it gets me from total stagnation to what I need, if a handful of people have indirectly in the interim taken a bit of an advantage I'm okay with that if I've got the goal that I wanted. Um, so, yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and so so I know that you travelled around the world. You have, well, you, you're still travelling from Manchester to London quite often. You make amazing network, or let's say you, you're going to network events, you, you meet a lot of people. How important is it to network? Or let's say find the right connections. Yeah, I don't underestimated that. Yeah, I think it is massive. Just from, you know, an energetic point of view and motivation and curiosity and interest and camaraderie. And doing it, yeah, one uh, one of my guests on my podcast, he, he'd got into some kind of nutrition group that, that he was then working selling with but his term he, he, he said I knew I was there I went in with this group of people that make, make me feel most myself and that struck me like a thunderbolt I wrote that down who makes me feel most myself and you know you can't have sunshine all the time but am I at least you know resonating towards groups that I resonate with more and unless you go out there and potentially try and find those a little bit, you you may never find them. So, I, of course, it's good for business. You potentially get new contacts, word of mouth. That's some touch points where people get to know you more and more. And then if you like you as a person, you know, to some extent, whatever your business, you know, if they probably try and work with you. So all the standard stuff, which I'm guessing I'm missing yeah, it does apply. Networking is great. But just for this, yeah, I think it's the camaraderie of people that are on the same frequency of you is super powerful. And that is part of what I know you've experienced a little bit, but for me more recently with this Web3 group in London, there just seem to be a, you know, a, a very creative and spontaneous and democratizing ethos behind it um, that feels very good and inspiring. Whether it's, I mean, maybe it's it's groups of travelers. I think I need to find the traveling Web3 community because that's probably where both of my tribes intersect. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, 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 networking is. And I, before this, because I wasn't really an entrepreneur before COVID too much, a, little, a few property networking things. But yeah, and you know, before that, we'll just be going out with work colleagues. I can't. And, you know, and, and networking with people to do with your hobbies, which is great. But in terms of bigger scale professional business networking, it was something that wasn't on the agenda at all. I'm guessing I never did that. And it's only because of the property one forced me to do it, the property journey. So I, I do have to be thankful for the fledgling property journey because it's that that gave me in right at the start, they said you have to have this wealth mindset. So it's where you see challenges as opportunities rather than run for the hills. And because my default setting was just run for the hills. And it's like, no, face the challenge, deal with it, see it with it as an opportunity, you know. So something's happening with tax. So to, you know, make it difficult for landlords. Oh, best get out is one view, would have been probably my view, whereas other landlords would see it as, oh, well, lots of other landlords are going to sell and get out. What a great opportunity because of this new tax rule. It's like, oh, my word. You can see that as an opportunity. And I just, the the mental faculty was not well-worn, well-trodden to be able to see things as opportunities that I would normally have just seen as a disaster. So I've got to be thankful for the property course for and journey for starting to shake the cage to get me a bit out of my comfort zone, um, which I'm still quite early on that journey. But yeah, I'm guessing the networking, which feels natural now, probably four years ago. Yeah, if you'd have asked me the same thing, I would have totally discounted it. You've mentioned also, well, I, I know that we have talked about your your podcast. So you also have a podcast where you share your experience and, of course, you interview other people as well. Tell us a little bit about, more about that because I think it's quite, well, I've listened to the podcast, it's quite valuable, but yeah, give, well, give, give the listeners a little bit of an insight. Well, So I interview people on what their roots of inspiration are, including like the most inspiring person in their life and times when they're a low ebb, something inspired them, you know, and then more fun things like most inspiring song, film, aspect of travel and inspirations for the major changes in their life from one career to another or one location to another with the aim of just creating this tsunami of inspiration for people who are either wanting a bit of inspiration or just curious on what inspires others. And how that came about, it wasn't planned really. Again, it was part of the property journey and they said you need to raise your profile, which seemed like a terrible idea. And this thing for a podcast course came up. And, well, at a similar time, I've been doing this self-development with a guy called Tim Han, who's really good. And he said, if, what would the, you know, if your life was a movie, what would your best movie look like? You know, your best adventure if your life was a movie, would you want it to be that or would you want it to be a flop? So if you're going to be the main character in the best movie of your life, what would that person love doing that 
your current self currently hates. So top of the list, I wrote TED Talk. Couldn't imagine anything worse. And it was literally the few days later when the podcast course came up. I, th- I thought, well, that's the same almost to me. I know it's not quite as exposed as a TED Talk, but it's going that way. So I thought, I've just got to do it. I don't want to do it, but I've just got to, you know, it sounds a bit interesting. So I signed up and did the course on how to do a podcast, but I didn't know what I was going to do it on. I was kind of out of the accountancy and I didn't really want to do it on that. Maybe I should have done it on travel, really. But, and I was too new to the 3D stuff so I wasn't I didn't feel I got much value to add there but I just tend to get excited about stuff and like positivity and I'd you know got into a bit of meditation about you know the power of the positive mind so I thought why not just in a similar fashion to Napoleon Hill interviewing millionaires in 1920 about how they were super rich I thought I'm just going to do something similar but on inspiration interview successful and interesting people on what has inspired them to create this, you know, repository of inspiration for people. And I thought that sounds as good an idea as any of the other ones for a podcast. So just let's go with that. So it was more of a self development thing to see if I could do it. And I did it and, you know, it's not gone viral, but I've learned so much from people opening up and the, the guests, none of, whom have been paid have kindly, you know, given me and listeners so much value on what inspires them. And there's a number of themes keep coming through and make me think, oh, right. Oh, right, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You know, one being, be the inspiration so it's and it's great to have this repository and talk about what inspires that that has value, but are you tr- live a living example of leading by not by talking by doing by action? It's like oh, mm. <laughs> maybe not. So you know that that'd be one example of a theme of several that, that I've I've spotted. So it, it's still going the podcast, um, but it's. I'm gone down to monthly or less often at the minute because I really need to focus on this sales training to to get the money in the business. So, because I've been good at distraction and doing things that don't earn money instead of focusing on things that do earn money. So it's still alive, but it's just on the back burner, less frequent at the minute. But if anybody would like to be interviewed about what their roots of inspiration are, yeah, put the put the. Sh- the link in the in the show notes hopefully yeah. I, will, I will i will share definitely the link uh, so that people can uh, listen to to your podcast uh, ian um before we're gonna go what will be your golden nugget to let's say somebody who's gonna let's say start his entrepreneurial journey and leave his nine till five or let's say leave his current job or just gonna leave his current job well, I think see if there's a, trans- a way of transitioning without. I mean, maybe it does need doing because maybe some people are never going to leave the job, and until they actually just jump with both feet. But if there's a way where you can go part time, or you know, and plant the seeds for your entrepreneurial idea before jumping ship from the paid job, unless you've got piles of money 
that, but maybe that's not the nugget, but that would be, yeah, if somebody's thinking about that. It, when I was an employee, I was so, I would call it, it's a bit extreme in compression. My mind is very busy as it is, and I try very hard, but if I went for a week holiday, it would take, oh, that wasn't long enough, I needed two weeks, so only by the second week, when I decompressed, that was in a position to like look at life really and try and reevaluate. So I would say probably a minimum of two weeks away, totally away from work, to allow a week of decompression, and then the second week of two, look deeply at what might be or why. Because you know I've still not exactly found mine. But if there's, if you can find the, the intersection of three things, something that you absolutely love doing, something that you're good at, and something that the world needs, that, you know, give yourself space to let that percolate. It may be obvious to some people already. And then still before you make the jump, yeah, the nugget, this is nugget. Thank you for letting me have the time. Because I still hadn't done this. It would be talk to the people who you're going to talk to lots of the people that you want to deliver this to, your potential future customers, and build your business around giving them something that they need not as I've always done it, dream up something I think would be nice for people that's got no relation to what they truly need and then force that on them with little success. So yeah, it's a, I'm guessing a three-stage process. Decompress your mind. Find that intersection of the three things that you love, you're good at and the world needs. And then three, talk to really understand exactly what it is that the people are, are, are going to deliver. And I think the last tiny piece, the fourth stage to the nugget, long nugget, is maybe try it a little bit. Live it for a week. Del- you know, have a little go at delivering that and see if you can enjoy it. Because when I decided I wanted to be a chartered accountant, I never tried two weeks' work experience as an auditor. And it's not all going to be, again, sunshine all the way. But I think if I'd have done a two-week experience as an external auditor, I may not have gone down that path. Um, You know, yeah, try it out. Try before you buy a little bit. Yeah. Well, Ian, again, thank you so much for being here on the show. Um, Well, we have absolutely learned from you and, of course, your experience and um yeah well listeners um thank you very much for listening um this is the uh, Arnold podcast and um well see you in the next episode thank you